and um, lovely to have you all with us today. Nice to see you all with us. Um, my name's Christian, for those who don't know me, most of you seem to know me, but um, just in case, uh, then um, it will be uh, me that uh, takes you through today's message. And um, I just want to start with a thank you for t to everyone who's been coming to the prayer meetings of late um, in this season of prayer and fasting. There's another one coming up this coming Tuesday. We've seen some great answers to prayer. We've seen some amazing things happen um, in terms of breakthroughs, in terms of seeing God's power move in the church. A um, couple of healings to let you know about. Um, of late, which is always good. Um, Deb Leg um, last week uh, came up with a very painful shoulder and didn't sleep barely, apparently, on the Saturday night. Prayed for and healed the same day. So that's great, isn't it? That's a wonderful thing. Um, and um, we also had a, another member of the congregation who's had an incredibly bad toothache, all, all the toothache, or something like that, I was trying to understand this. Um, throughout Christmas, um, and we got prayed for a couple of weeks ago, and that was healed um, as well. So he didn't even need his dentist appointment after that, but the dentist said, your teeth are fine. So that's nice. <laughs> so, so that's good. So that's good news. Well, that there, for me, that's just the start of a greater outpouring of God's presence, of God's power in our meetings, I believe. We're going to continue to press in in prayer and fasting to move far more, to see God move far, far more. Um, and that's what we're looking for. So, um, yeah, are we all on board with that? Yeah, yeah I think that'd be pretty good. Um, we, um, I'm going to start a new series off today um, where we're talking about, um, well, we're talking about identity. Uh, firstly, about identity in God and uh, who is God, rather, God's identity almost. And then uh, we'll proceed that, uh, we'll continue that on um, with our own identity um, in following weeks. But we're starting off with who is God. Um, but I'm going to start off with a, a boss. I used to have a, a story of a boss um, who never, ever smiled. I don't think you've ever met any, anyone like this, but this guy never, ever smiled anywhere. So everywhere he went, he had a face like thunder, and everybody was scared of the man, all right? Every single person I knew, and, and more than that, more people thought that they were mad with him. Does that make sense? Because they saw him, and he was like, like this, had this angry face all the time. And, they, and, and people would come up to me and say, um, I think he's annoyed with me. I think I've done something to upset him. I'm not sure what it is, but I think I've upset this man, because he's, he's always like this. And I said, in the end, I got fed up with it, because I'd, I'd pass him in the corridor, and he'd be like walking around like this all the time, like he'd just chewed a wasp. And I, I was like, I thought, stuff this. I got in his face. And, I, and I, I just made it my business then to go, oh, yeah, you're right. Big smile on my face like this. Because I thought, I'm just, I've done nothing wrong. It's just you, this. It's not me. Um, and in the end, he broke. And um, he smiled. And we had a, a decent enough friendship. He was all right to talk to. But most people wouldn't go anywhere near him because they thought he was mad with them. Does that make sense? That was it. They just gave him a wide berth. He wasn't mad with them. He was just a little grumpy. Um, but, um, but he was a decent bloke. He was decent to talk to, actually. And it was, it was worthwhile having a friendship with him. 2 Peter 1 verse 2 says the following. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Grow meaning to progress in your knowledge. 
and heart knowledge, not head knowledge of God. We are not going to be talking today about a whole list of attributes of um, what God can do, although that may come into it at times. Jesus, when he was on the planet, taught very clearly who God is, and at the same time, he also taught who God wasn't, all right? This is who he is, this is who he isn't, a lot of the time, to give the correct picture of God, to push past the lies that we can very easily believe about God. The way we see God is essential, as it will affect our relationship with him absolutely. It will affect the way we talk to him. It will affect the way we hear from him. It will affect the way we walk with him. And it will affect our attitude in life fundamentally. So the better we know him, the better and stronger our relationship is with him. And, as we've just read, the more grace and peace flows through us. It's just got to be a win-win situation in all these situations, I would imagine. So, growing in our relationship with God, growing in our heart understanding is vital. But it is really, really easy to gain a distorted view of God, um, even if it's just slightly. And um, the Bible does show us different people throughout time who've had a slightly distorted view of God. Or maybe we could just say don't have a clear perspective of who he is yet in their particular lives. Um, if you go all the way back to Abraham and Sarah, um, Sarah was promised to be pregnant. Uh, you know, Abraham and Sarah, they were promised a, a child in their old age. And Sarah laughed at this particular situation and said, this is just not going to happen. And God had to tell her that nothing is impossible for me. For you, for, for me. I am God. Nothing is impossible. So that was her absolute um, view at that point, that you could do some things but not other things. We have a God who can do literally anything. It's important to get hold of this, yeah? He's all-powerful. He's the creator of all things. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're going to get some visuals on this now. It's very exciting. The, the earth was formless and empty. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God created all things. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Everything that you see around you has been made by God. The whole universe, the heavens, the stars, the earth, everything above, everything, everything has been made and created by God. God is that powerful. I had a story, a, a um, person spoke to me once and said, you don't really believe that stuff in the Bible that Moses parted the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, it was parted, and he managed to do that. You don't believe that Jesus turned water into wine. You don't believe that he raised Lazarus from the dead. You can't really believe those miracles. It's just ridiculous. They're ridiculous stories. I said, I believe that God created everything. You either believe that nothing created everything, or you believe that God created everything. You're standing on a miracle right now because you're standing on a planet that exists because of you. Yes, it exists because somebody made it. Either God or just poof, it appeared out of nothing. So you go with one miracle story or you go with another. Both of them are miraculous stories. I've chosen, well, for me, what I think is the most logical one, that God made the lot. Okay? So it stands to reason. We're standing in a miracle situation. We're standing in a creation which God has put. So if that's framework in that, if God can do that, then turning water into wine seems a bit minor. Yeah? It seems like quite a small thing for him to get sorted out. But that, as he says, the magnitude of what he can actually do. God is that powerful. So whatever issue we go through, God is big enough to deal with it. Whatever issue we have to, to do, it's carrying on this, so it won't carry on forever. Uh, <laughs> 
We're not going to watch uh, that for the whole time. But if, if he can make a way through all of these things here, he can make a way through whatever you're going through right now. And, and it's important that we grab hold of the power of God before we even start. But Jesus referred to uh, various distorted views that people could have when he taught. Um, and there's two that I'm going to pick up mainly. One he picked up in the book of Matthew was that God was a harsh taskmaster. Okay, that's in the parable of the talents. And he, he mentions that there. Now, this is the view, which comes a lot, quite a lot, actually. You may hear, you may um, sense some of this. Is that God is critical of you every time you get something wrong. Okay? So, th so that's the sense where you may well, you know, I've, I've, I've gone through this myself. This is where he's quick to judge. This is where he's harsh. This is where he's disappointed and unfair. Okay? So that's, you, now, I'm not saying that that will be your view all the time, but it can creep in. It's easy for, for it to creep in. And usually, a lot, well, a lot of the time, we can get this view if we've had authority figures in our lives who have been overly critical, they've treated us unfairly, they start to sneak in somewhere because they get projected back onto God in a weird way. Um, it's a strange one, but it's the way that it is. Uh, the whole disappointed thing. I'm not mad with you, I'm just disappointed. Um, but there we are. If you've ever had that spoken over you, then you might relate. Um, so that's the harsh taskmaster. All right? it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not God before anyone just snips that bit of the preach and says, this is what this pastor said. Um, but uh, that's there. The second one is someone in John chapter 10, which we'll come to in a minute, uh, called the hired hand. Now, this was a shepherd who was just literally hired to do the job of a shepherd. And this particular view of God Jesus brought out, um, was a God that doesn't care about us, all right? This is a God who's indifferent, that he's not bothered, that he won't help and he won't lift a finger to help in any part of your life. Now, I think we can get this view of God when we go through hard times, when we go through periods of loneliness. You can go through this um, and to see, really, that it's quite an easy thing, again, to sneak in. But Jesus portrayed who God is, more than, more than anything, if you want to learn more on the character of God, if you want to know more about the heart of God himself, then reading the Gospels and reflecting on how Jesus responds, how Jesus reacts, how Jesus talks to people is the perfect way to go about it. The more we read the Gospels, the more we'll hear and sense the heart of God. Does that make sense? Yep. Look at Jesus. Look at how Jesus talked to people. Look at how Jesus acted with people. Look how Jesus responds to every single person. You've got God in the flesh there talking and responding to people all the time. And it will just give you a really good sense. But what I'm going to do is read a little bit of John chapter 10. Um, and then from there, we'll just um, pursue uh, something. Well, we'll go deeper into it. So John chapter 10 Verse 10 to 11 says the following. The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The, sh the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. So straight away, we can see that God is not somebody who comes along and wants to take the joy out of your life. All right? He's not a killjoy. He's not a mean God who we can blame when things don't go wrong. Okay? 
which we, we do see quite a lot. He's not spiteful. He's not vengeful. He's not someone who wants to pour. It, sorry, he's not somebody who wants to just grab out of you anything that you can. He's not a taker. He's not somebody who wants to take. He wants, he's somebody who wants to give. And he wants to pour in his life-giving spirit, his vitality, his love, his joy all the time. He is invested in each and every single one of us in fulfilling our own potential. He desires we aim for the best, not settling for what's easiest. And that's something that I keep coming back to again and again right now. Yep, that's our God. That's who he is. That's what he wants for each and every one of us there. He is our protector. He's deeply caring. And he loves us so much that he gave his very life for us. And there's that word gave again. He gave his life for us. For those that don't know, Jesus died on a cross. He gave his life so that our sins could be forgiven, could be wiped clean, our shame, our guilt. That's what we took communion about there. We were celebrating that fact that Jesus has wiped away everything that separates. And we can come to his very throne and we can come and enjoy a relationship with him that lasts forever. Thank you. Yes, it's very good news, isn't it? So let's go and dive into this good shepherd conversation because Psalm 23 talks about the Lord is my shepherd. And we're going to have a look at um, what Psalm 23 talks about as the Lord being my shepherd as well. So there's, there's a nice connection here between the two of them. Psalm 23 verse 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. So he's our good shepherd. He's our guide. He's our protector. This is what they, they do. He is the source of absolutely everything that you need. All right? Everything that you need, he's the source. He's the provider for all of our needs, physically, emotionally, spiritually. But not only that, he loves to give. He loves to pour in provision. He loves to pour in everything that we, we, that we need. He delights in us, and he delights in giving us gifts. Okay? And he's pouring in gifts into us all the time. So we just have to open them. As, we've, uh, as I was just listening to Lucy give us a word there, that he's always given us gifts, but it's our job to open these gifts, to, 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 to look into those and not just leave them to there. God's given us so much, and it's time to start enjoying those gifts, time to start looking at them and letting them on, just letting us, letting us enjoy that which God gives us, which is important. He puts a smile on God's face to impart something of himself into our lives. So grab hold of that. Was a while back, um, we were running out of money. There was uh, just, um, we were heading towards zero. There was nothing left in the savings, nothing left in the current account, very close anyway. And I was in a situation where I, I, was, I was the sole breadwinner and there's a family of five and it wasn't looking great. And I remember being quite worried at that point, as you can understand. Um, and um, I, I woke up, it was a Saturday morning, I still remember this, and my wife had written, she does paintings, they're all over our house if you ever come. Um, and this one had a scripture on it that said, consider the lilies, which comes from Matthew 6, for those that don't know, and it's all about trusting in God for your provision, trusting in God that he'll provide for absolutely everything that you need. And I rolled over in bed, it's only a bit of a lion, it was a Saturday morning, and I rolled over and I just read that, consider the lilies, and I thought, God's got my back, it's all right. He's going to provide. And you know what? I've still got food in my belly. It's okay. He still does provide. He loves to provide. He still brings his provision in wherever we are up to and whatever our situations are at. That is our God. Amen? Amen. 
Verse 2 says, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me, in, he leads me beside peaceful streams. Your God, our God, he, he is a refresher of souls. Yes, that's who he is. He loves to do it. He's an imparter of strength. He's an imparter of courage, of energy. If you're feeling low on energy, guess where to go to get it? See, great preach this. Come on. <laughs> he gives you courage. He gives you boldness. This is God. This is who he is. This is where we get these things from. He's a lifter of burdens. He's a lifter of weariness. And he imparts his rest and his refreshing into every single soul. That's what he loves to do. This is the character of God. And you are important to him. You're more important to him than you'll ever, ever, ever comprehend. Okay? You, you're of more value to him than the things that you do. Sometimes we get into this mindset of, oh, I've got to perform really well to do things. I've got to get all of this done sorted. And, and if, if I do this, if I'm a good Christian or if I, I whatever, whatever you're doing at the moment, ministry-wise, if I do these things, God's more proud of me. It's rubbish. He's totally proud of you right now. He couldn't be more made up with you. He's totally and utterly, completely Think in the world of you. You are of immense value and of immense importance to God. More than anything that we will ever really grab hold of. He is the complete satisfaction of our souls. He fills, he refuels us. He breathes life into us constantly. Constantly. That means right now. Right now, life is being breathed into you again and again and again and again and again. And that is really good. Verse 3 says, he renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. So Jesus is our ever-present guide. Jesus is someone who is always prompting us along the right way. And he does this because he knows how good it is for us to walk in right ways, righteousness. Okay? This is important. He knows that the right ways are good for our souls. That's why he despises sin so much. Because he knows how much it harms us. All right? He doesn't despise sin because he's going, oh, I don't want them to enjoy themselves today. How can I, you know, what, what can I put on the naughty list? You know, tick off all the things that you're not supposed to do. Sin is there because it hurts us, generally, yes? You might want to put your hand in the fire, but generally speaking, it's going to hurt. You get me an analogy, I hope. It's not in the sin list, I don't think, put your hand in the fire, but you get the point, yes? Don't put your hand in the fire because it's going to hurt. You don't want your kids getting hurt. You don't want your kids doing things that are going to, you know, don't go running over the road without looking. You put things there to say, look, those things there are dangerous, they're harmful, they are going to cause wounds to you or to somebody else. So therefore, that's why it's there. That's why it's there to help us to understand what the right ways are and what the wrong ways are. So he's always teaching us. Always. He's speaking to us right now. Right now. He's speaking to us. Right now, he's guiding us. Right now, he's teaching us. He's nudging us along the right way. Bit by bit by bit, he's inspiring us to go forward. Bit by bit, he accepts us as we are, completely as we are right now. Totally accepted. But then he empowers us to become more and more and more like Jesus. Because that's what's good for us. That's where it's good for us. He brings freedom into our lives. Oh, he loves to do that. He's always looking to bring freedom into our lives again and again and again. And he, all, he does everything in his power to keep us and lead us in that way. You know, God is a God of clarity, not confusion. 
clarity. He wants to bring that in. Every time he speaks, it's clarity that he'll bring. Verse 4 says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. So we talked about the power of God, but here we talk about the care of God, because God cares enough and has the power enough to lead us through the most difficult of times. All right? Whatever we go through, God can get us through it. Amen? Yeah, whatever you go through, whatever it is, he's our protector and comforter, and in him we can trust. God is always sticking up for us. You'll never get this on this life. No, none of us will, but God is always sticking up for us and always fighting for us more than we know. Yeah, well, in eternity, we'll see it. You'll go, my word, I didn't know. I went through that horrible time. I went through all of that, and I felt horrible at the time. And then you'll see how much Jesus stuck up for you all the way through those moments. And, and you'll be amazed at how you got through it. And then you'll be going, oh, it was Jesus. He was battering a whole load of things away, and I didn't see them coming. Yeah? He's always doing these. He's guiding us through on his path through some ridiculously difficult times. But trust him in that. Trust him through those, because he will get us through. I love the fact of what that verse says there, because it, will, it says, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. You are close beside me. At the start of the psalm, he was leading. God was leading. Now we hit this point, and God is beside us. God is close in your most difficult times. God is right next to you in your most difficult times. God is close, closer than ever before when you go through those times. And we will never be separated from him nor his love, which is a wonderful thing. I said at the start, he doesn't take things away. He does. He takes one, a few things. And one of them is fear. He's a remover of fear. All right? So you can have that. All right? He takes away fear, but he imparts in his comfort. He imparts in his protection. I had a, I've had a lot of nightmare classes. I'm sorry that a lot of my examples come from nightmare classes. But um, I remember one particular class I had where the intimidation of these uh, teenagers did, um, did rise quite a lot um, with, with whatever emotions were, they were displaying at the time. Um, and, um, and I remember before teaching them, before, well, actually, I might have been in the middle of the lesson, come think of it now, um, as, as um, I thought, this isn't going in a good direction, this lesson at all. I could feel the atmosphere. You always feel atmospheres. And so I could feel the atmosphere not being that great. And I could feel in myself getting quite scared because I could fit, not that they were about to throw bottles at me, don't get me wrong. And if you know what I, you know, that could have happened, I suppose. But uh, um, they weren't being that angry, but you could just feel the atmosphere just getting worse and worse and worse. And I, and, um, I remember inside going, thank you that you're with me. Thank you, Jesus, that you're with me. I, inside, I didn't do it out. I didn't start proclaiming it from the desks. <laughs> But inside, thank you, Jesus, that you're with me. Thank you that you're right next to me. Thank you, Lord, that you have made, you put a shield around me. I just kept on going over those words again and again, kept on speaking out certain scriptures, speaking out in my mind, in my heart, certain scriptures. Peace just returned to me at that moment, the peace of God, the calm, just knowing that God was in that situation. And all of a sudden, the atmosphere changed around me as well, which was amazing, really. It, it was like all of a sudden the kids realized that, you know, hang on. <laughs> I, I don't know how, 
I mean, I doubt very much that we're going, oh, Jesus is in the room, everybody. We can't mess around. But um, it felt very much more like um, I'm back in control. I'm back in control. There's now me back in the room, and so Jesus is, is, is close by. I had the comfort. I had the peace. I had everything I needed to teach that lesson. Um, so God's good God in every single scenario. He gets you through whatever you're going through. That's the, ma- the main part of that part of it there. Verse 5, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Having a feast for us prepared by God is um, basically a portrayal of God's desire for intimacy. God's desire for a close relationship, um, heart-to-heart relationship with us. His heart moves more than anything for a relationship with our heart. He wants a heart-to-heart connection with every single one of us for deep personal relationship. Jesus remains always loving, always passionate. Jesus remains always reaching out for us. That's his um, constant, um, I'm trying to think of the word phraseology of it really. That's his constant position towards us. That's why you could say he's constantly reaching out. For us, he's always desiring to spend time with us. He's always, in, always loves to hear our voice. Song of Songs 2, verse 14, says it like this. This is um, the voice of Jesus um, to us. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is pleasant and your face is lovely. I used to think that God's emotions to me mirrored mine towards him. So I I used to think that if I found no desire to talk to Jesus, then he would be in a kind of a, well, suit yourself, I'll go and find someone else to talk to. Yeah, and he really wouldn't be that bothered. Um, He would dial down quite quickly his emotion. In fact, I would, you know, that's how I I related because that's pretty much how people related to me. Um, So, you know, that's that's, that's just it. It's protection, I guess, more than anything. But someone who... um, I, I, I really, that's a, a real part of my relationship I, I, I struggled with because if I, didn't, if I didn't feel passionate for God, then I thought he wasn't passionate for me. If I didn't feel much love in my heart, then I didn't think he loved me. And I thought that it was a very reciprocal thing in that way. But God is someone who is bothered. Um, it's nothing to do with our desire for him. It's nothing to do with whether I've sinned or not today. He's not keeping himself at a distance because I've been a naughty person today. Does that make sense? He's always, always, always desiring a close relationship. God is committed to us always. He's always wanting us close. He delights in us. We bring him the greatest joy simply by being in his family. Grab hold of that a second. Just because you're in his family, he's joyful about it. And that's, that's an amazing truth. That, that's a, and there's a security in that as well, because he's not going to kick you out of his family. So he's going to remain always delighted in you. He's going to remain always. You're going to bring him joy for the rest of your days, which stretch off into eternity, so that's great. Yes, he's always going to be pleased. He's always going to be pleased to see you. When, uh, when, when you spend time with him. So, so that's a really important thing. Every single time we go to pray to him, it brings him delight. Yeah, 
He's absolutely like, brilliant. I just love you. Absolutely love you, Keith. I just want to spend some time with you today. And you're kind of like, yeah, let's pray. All right. <laughs> but he's like that all the time. Yes. You might be like, oh, I can't be bothered today. But he's still the same. He's like, come on, let's play. Let's, let's, play. let's spend some time together. He, that's who he is. He's a God who loves to spend time with us. He's a God that loves to hear our voice. He's a God that loves to see our face. He's a God that wants us to be tilted towards him all of the time. Moving on to verse 6, it says the following, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So God is always pursuing us with his love, with his life, with his light, with his joy, with his goodness. He's pursuing us with all that he has. He's constantly working good into our lives. Right now, he's working goodness into your life. That's good. Yeah, you sit there going, yeah, I love a bit of that. That's quite nice. All right, all he wants, he just waits to be invited in, into your life, into every single issue, okay? Because he wants to be involved in every single area of your life. He wants to be involved in every single moment that we're, that we're there. He is always front-footed with us, always looking to connect with us, always looking to pour his goodness and his limitless love inside of us. And the more we slow down and reflect on that truth, the more you'll become aware of that reality. The more we realize that God's goodness is pursuing us right now, the more you'll become aware of that reality. You'll sense that reality. You'll feel his presence more. You'll sense his love in your heart more. Now, this has to have an outworking. This isn't just a, well, we'll keep it all to ourselves. This has to have an outworking to, to, to go out from here. Because the more we get to know the heart of God, the more our love for him and the more our love for others will grow. It's fueled on an understanding of the character of God. It's fueled on an understanding of how much he loves us. And it's from this genuine love that we fulfill that vision of intentionally building community, of intentionally transforming community. It's how we can reach out to others. It's how we can love others. It's how we can see people come to know Jesus, to make disciples to be made whole, which is fundamentally what it's about. A genuine love and passion for God will transform not just your life, but it will transform your home, it will transform your workplaces, it will transform your schools, your communities. Every single area of your life will be transformed by the love and the presence and the power of God inside of you. Amen? This is why it's so important that we hold true to the fact of who God is and not let it go. So let's take the presence and power of God out of this place. Let's make a difference with what's inside of us. Now, simply me telling you, simply you reading about it, it's going to make no difference whatsoever, I'm sorry to say. It doesn't cut it. We need um, our eyes opened on the inside. It's got to be, I said right at the start, a heart revelation. It's got to be a heart understanding. Otherwise, you could just get a book out of the library about who is God. You could read it, and then you could put it down, and it won't have made any difference to your life whatsoever. Yep, it's very easily done. Ephesians 1, verse 16 and 17 says the following. It's a prayer that Paul prays. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. God. It's a simple prayer, but one which God will always honor. 
He desires that we get to know him more. He gets, he desires that we get to know him better and better and better. That uh, that we enjoy a relationship with him. He desires that, but more than that, he gives us the power to do that. He gives us the power to open our eyes and actually see those things that he actually is. We just need the Holy Spirit inside to enable us to bring the words to life on the page. That makes sense? There's a difference between me reading the words and when the Spirit of God brings the words to life. And it just is a case of me trusting in the Holy Spirit to do it. God, I pray you'll help me to get by your Spirit, by your Spirit in me, get to know you better. And let the words start to come to life. Psalm 119, somewhere in the verse, in Psalm 119 is huge, but you have to trust me now. It says, open, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things from your word. And it's the way it has to be. It's God that opens our eyes. It's not us that can do it magically. All right? It's God that goes ahead and does that. He desires to have a close eternal relationship with each single person on this planet. And that is a relationship that all holds the promise of a complete peace and joy and hope. And Jesus loves us completely. And if the band can come up at this point, this would be great. Now, he desired that relationship so much. I said this already, that whoever, um, so he desired that relationship with us so much that he came to the planet. Jesus came to the planet in the form of God. He died for us instead of us, that we may have our sins forgiven. He died so that we could come into that relationship. He died that our sins could be wiped clean. Today is a day that we can make an important decision. In in a moment, I'm going to pray, and you may find yourself in one of the three following categories. So if I can have every head bowed, please, that would be absolutely fantastic. The first one is that you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You have never had a relationship with him, and you'd like to make the decision to follow him today, to to receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers and begin that relationship. The second is that you used to walk with Jesus and you would like to reconnect with him today. And the third is that you're not sure of your salvation, that you're not sure that at the end of your life you'll be going to heaven and you desire that certainty that Jesus offers. If you relate to any of those three, then please pray along with me now, repeating these words out of your own heart. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive me for all my wrongdoing. And receive me as your child. I commit my life to you now. Amen. With every head still bowed, could I ask you to raise your hand if you just prayed that prayer? Thank you. Anybody else? Okay. Let's just pray.
Lord God, we just thank you for the incredible love that you've showed us. I pray that you pour out your presence on every single one of us, specifically for those who raise their hand. We ask, Lord God, that you will confirm your relationship with each of us, Lord God, and help us to get to know you better. Amen.